0: One night while I was sleeping I had a dream so fair I stood in old Jerusalem Beside the temple there I heard the children sing and ever as they sang, I thought, thought the voice of angels from heaven in answer. Streets no longer rang, as with the glad hosannas that the little children sang, the sun grew dark with mystery, and the morn was cold and chill. As the shadow of across the roads upon the lonely hill, as the shadow. I saw the holy city beside the crystal sea. (laughs) The light of God was on its streets, and the gates, they were open wide. Stars by night, or the sun to shine.
1: Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley. I have some very sober things to speak with you about today, and some of them will probably be quite startling to you. I know my Lord liveth, and I know we are in, right now, the day of the Lord. Because they had not obeyed the word of the Lord in 586 B.C., the children of Israel were taken into captivity. The nation that once was the head became the tail. This was just as God had spoken through his servant Moses. And just as God had spoken through Jeremiah the prophet, the children of Israel's captivity lasted for 70 years. In 538 B.C., Cyrus, king of Persia, issued a decree allowing the children of Israel to return to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple of God. It was just as God had said, when Isaiah gave the prophecy 175 years before Cyrus was even born. In 516 B.C., Zerubbabel finished the temple just as God promised, and in 445 B.C., the Persian king Artaxerxes permitted Nehemiah to return to Jerusalem and rebuild its walls, just as Daniel had prophesied. over and over, the children of Israel saw that God stood by his word. Just as Solomon wrote in Proverbs, the hearts of kings were in God's hands, and he could turn them wherever he wanted, why then did the remnant of Israel think that they could live and worship any way they wanted to once they had returned from their seventy years of exile? Once they had settled once more in Israel, had they grown tired of waiting for the fulfillment of the prophecies which promised that the Messiah would reign as king over all of the earth? Or had God abandoned Israel as he had Esau's descendants? Did they think he would allow the heathen nations who had come against them to go unpunished? Or were they entertaining thoughts that God really did not love them, that he would not keep his covenant promise? Whatever it was, once again the remnant became apathetic in their relationship with God. So he spoke one more time to the children of Israel through the prophet Malachi, whose name means my messenger. It was sometime around 433 B.C., 400 years before Jesus. And now God speaks one more time, and then he is absolutely silent for 400 years. When Jesus came, it was the beginning of, Of the day of the Lord. We live in that in-between time when Jesus came and the final fulfillment of the promises of God, and everything is being fulfilled as was prophesied in the book of both Daniel, Revelation, Isaiah, Zechariah, Zephaniah the promises of God, the prophecies are all being fulfilled. And we stand today at the final day of the Lord. I want to go back with you to the book of Malachi. We referenced it yesterday, but today I want to go much more in depth with you. I want you to see the issue, the singular issue Issue that God had with the children of Israel. It's the same issue he has with the church, the Christian church in America today. Always, this is the turning point that reflects the wickedness of our hearts. Malachi opens with the Lord saying, I have loved you. But the children of Israel, the leaders, say, How have you loved us? Sounds like an angry teenager. What do you mean you love me? I don't see it in your actions. And the Lord answers, Was not Esau Jacob's brother? Yet I have loved Jacob, but Esau I have hated. I have been indifferent to, to Esau. And then I turned his mountains into wasteland, and I left his inheritance to the desert jackals. Edom may say, though we have been crushed, we will rebuild the ruins. This is what the Lord Almighty says. They may build, but I will demolish They will be called the wicked land, a people always under the wrath of God. You will see it with your own eyes and say, great is the Lord, even beyond the borders of Israel. The Lord is not pleased that these leaders would say to the Lord, how have you loved us? They sound like spoiled brats. They have not cherished the love of the Lord, or his mercies. And then the Lord takes the lead. He's heard enough from them, and now he takes the lead. And I want you to see where he goes. This will highlight the issue of the Christian church today. Chapter 1, the book of Malachi, verse 6. A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If I am a father, where is the honor due me? If I am a master, where is the respect due me? Says the Lord Almighty. It is you, O priests, who show contempt for my name. So the Lord is saying, In these last words, before 400 years of silence, you have shown contempt for me. They ask, How have we shown contempt for your name? you place defiled food on my altar. Well, how have we defiled you? By saying the Lord's table is contemptible. What is the Lord's table? Well, in Malachi, the Lord's table was the altar of burnt offering. Today, the Lord's table is the Lord himself. When you bring blind animals for sacrifices, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice crippled or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? So the Lord wants to identify the key issue, and the key issue is contempt for the Lord disrespect for the lord arrogance before god and how are they demonstrating that most obviously it is in the offerings that they bring before god now let's let's look at a couple of issues In America, everything boils down to money. I have bills to pay. I have responsibilities for my family. I'm trying to dig my way out of the pile of debt I've created. I'll never forget. My wife and I were such in such a desperate place. We had run up $70,000 of credit card debt and we had absolutely no way to pay it. We were going to be evicted from the house. Our utilities were all being shut off. We had no food in the house. And finally, the Lord so humbled us all I could do was weep before him. And I finally, in my contempt for the Lord, said, Lord, I'm going to die. And very quietly, he answered audibly and said, Good, I've been waiting for you to die. And anger and contempt burst out of me And I said, how can you say that to me? Look what I've been through for your kingdom. Look at the sacrifice of my life for you. And he very quietly answered me and said, You were bought at a price. You are not your own. And my heart broke. Because I knew what he was saying was right. And I said, Lord... What do you want? And that's when he said to me, will you receive from my hand only what I choose to give you? And I entered into that vow with the Lord. And immediately he delivered us from the house being taken. He sent a great amount of food. He covered all of the utilities. He arranged payment for the car. God did all of that. Why? Because I stopped being in contempt and angry about how I thought he was unjust. He broke my heart, and he was right. What does he mean in verse 8 when you bring blind animals for sacrifice? No animal could be brought that had any imperfection because they were representing a perfect Savior who was to come and die on Calvary. But they were bringing the blind animals that they couldn't sell for as much money. It was about money. It was showing contempt for God with their money. Will he accept you if you bring to God your money that is not right before him? If you bring to him your first your first fruits, And they're really your last fruit. And you've given your blessing to the mortgage company. Can the mortgage company bless you? Can your truck payment bless you? Oh, but you have to pay your bills. Well, are you in charge of your life? Where's God? God. Did you give yourself life? Did you give yourself breath? Or did God give you life? Did he form you in the womb? Who is it that rules over your heart and over your life? The Lord says, oh, that you would shut the temple doors so that you would not light useless fires on my altar. I'm not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty, and I will accept no offerings from your hands. The Lord is saying, look, you can bring me a cheap offering. You can bring me the second or third or last fruit. I will not accept it. There will be a curse upon you. You would be better not to even bring the Lord an offering because you're making him angry. The Lord is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. The Lord hasn't changed. Now, why is this so important? Because money gets at the very essence of what we worship and who we are. And when you try to piece together your life with a little bit of money here and a little bit of money there, and and you'll work here, and you'll take an extra job for this, and you'll, you'll go in debt for that, You are dishonoring the name of the Lord Jesus. He is the provider. You are not the provider for your life. So you show contempt for God. The Lord does not want you to bring blind, maimed, crippled, or diseased offerings before him. And some of you regularly give diseased offerings to the Lord Jesus. They are just what you think you can get away with. A tithe of 10% is just a bare minimum. And I hear some of you say, oh, Pastor, tithing is an Old Testament. It's an Old Covenant. It doesn't apply in the New Covenant. In the New Covenant, we're to give as we're able to. Wrong tithe still is a principle of God that opens a gateway to his blessing you or he will curse you some of you call yourself Christians but you are not able to provide for yourselves the lifestyle you think you should have you're struggling to take care of your family. I'm going to say it straight. There is a curse on your life because you have not given God your first fruit. The new covenant does not say anywhere, give as you are thinking you're able to. No, it says everything you have belongs to the Lord. A very minimum would be 10%. A, a little bit more acceptable would be 20%. Do you bring diseased animals to the offering of the Lord? Now, please understand the Lord is rebuking the people of Israel for their contempt of Him, and that contempt is seen first of all in what they give to the Lord and the work of the gospel what they give to the poor and the broken. I spoke with a a person I consider a dear friend last night. And this dear friend is unemployed. This dear friend was given a gift. $300. This friend texted me this morning and said the Lord is leading me to give that $300 to a pastor in another country so that pastor can buy a sewing machine and begin to make masks for his people so that they can take food and other things to the poor. Well, they're already poor. You know, I've learned something. The poor often are much more generous in their gifts than the rich. Some of you who have a great deal of money think you can throw $50 or $100 as a a one-off to a Pilgrim's Progress Radio Ministry or to um, a church. Well, in fact, you're very wealthy. You're contemptuous of God. You don't reveal in your giving. You'll respond to an emotional appeal. You'll respond to your emotions being stirred But you will not respond to the Holy Spirit of God calling upon you in your heart, saying, Stop being contemptuous of me and give what I've asked you to give. Listen to what the Lord says. You profane the altar of God by saying of the Lord's table, It is defiled and of its food, it's contemptible. Some of you say, know, I don't like what my church is going to do with the money. I don't like the pastor. You're saying the Lord's table is defiled, or it's contemptible to me. But you say, what a burden, and you sniff at it contemptuously, says the Lord Almighty. You know, when I do an offertory at the end of the month, I usually get some nasty emails or text messages saying, Why are you asking for money, Pastor? You shouldn't be asking for money. Or they'll say, Why don't you go back to a a shorter amount of time? You don't need a full hour. Really? That's your choice? That's your decision? No, it's not. It's God's. I'm tired of of people who say what a burden no do you understand when you give the first fruits you receive in that first fruit from God a blessing on all that remains it's all his but he blesses it and he plugs the holes in your pockets and he gives you a way out of that situation he gives you an increase in your job he shows you how to cut back One of the first things he'll do is cut the internet. One of the first things he'll do is cut the cable. You're going to have to go into a a time of discipline with the Lord if you want that debt paid off. But he will bless you. He will bless all that you have if you will not be contemptuous of the Lord and think you can do it your way. When you bring injured, crippled, or diseased animals and offer them as sacrifices, should I accept them from your hands, says the Lord. Cursed is the cheat who has an acceptable male in his flock and vows to give it, but then sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord Almighty, and my name is to be feared among the nations. Whoa! Do you hear this? cursed is the cheat you hear the Lord say give 10% you hear the Lord say give 20% because you need the blessing of the Lord in your life you need to be delivered from your hardship people say to me pastor I can't give the tithe and pay my bills you don't understand do you that's a lie from the devil if you will be faithful in giving God your first fruit, he will extend and expand your finances. Anyone who says to me, Pastor, I can't afford to pay tithe. I can't pay my bills. I know that person is living under a curse. And until they choose God first in their money, Now, don't talk to me about saying, oh, I love Jesus, do you? And you show contempt for him? Stop it. Now, look, I have to come as a pastor and be absolutely straight with you. I can't play games with the gospel of Jesus. And I'm so concerned because many of you are living under a curse. because you bring defiled and blemished and sick animals, sick offerings to the altar of the Lord. Now this admonition is for you. O priests, if you do not listen, and if you do not set your heart to honor my name, says the Lord Almighty, I will send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessing. Yes, I've already cursed them because you've not set your heart to honor me. That curse is on many of you who are listening right now to this broadcast because you have brought to the Lord defiled offerings and you've said, oh, what a burden. I'm not going to give that much. I can't afford it. Oh, your money comes from your labor and from your work and from your skill, right? No, it doesn't. It comes from the hand of the Lord. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Matthew, the sixth chapter. Because of you, I will rebuke your descendants. I will spread on your faces the awful from your festal sacrifices. Literally, he's saying, I'm going to spread manure on your face. You are going to be in a terrible stench. And some of you today listening to this broadcast are in a terrible stench. The smell of manure is about you. It's been spread on your face. You are shamed because you cannot meet your responsibilities. Why not? Have you cheated God? And you will know that I have sent you this admonition so that my covenant with Levi may continue, says the Lord Almighty. My covenant with him, a covenant of life and peace. And I gave them to him this called for reverence, and he revered me, and he stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and nothing false was found on him. He walked with me in peace and uprightness, and turned many from sin the lips of a priest ought to preserve knowledge, and from his mouth men should seek instruction, because he is the messenger of the Lord Almighty. But you have turned from the way, and by your teachings have caused many to stumble. You have violated the covenant with Levi, says the Lord Almighty, so I have caused you to be despised and humiliated before all the people." because you have not followed my ways, but have shown partiality in the matters of law. He goes on. Judah has broken faith. A detestable thing has been committed in Israel. Judah has desecrated the sanctuary the Lord loves by marrying the daughters of a foreign god. I could put it another way, by marrying the daughter of mammon. And you've made money the central focus of your heart and your life. You fight with your wife or your husband about it. You fight over what you're going to spend and the debt you're going to incur. You're in danger of being cut off from the Lord. He says, you flood the altar with tears. You weep and wail because he no longer pays attention to your offerings or accepts them with pleasure from your hands. And you ask why? It's because the Lord is acting as a witness between you and the wife of your youth because you have broken faith with her. Though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant, The Lord says, I hate divorce. I hate a man covering himself with violence as with a garment. So guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith. You have wearied the Lord with your words. Some of you today have left your husband or you've left your wife and you've left them heartbroken. And the Lord has has placed a curse upon your life. He's not blessing you. That's what happened to the prodigal. He divorced his father. And he went to a far country. And when he ran out of money, he went to the pig pen. And after eating a sufficient amount of the pig pen food, the pig slop, the scriptures say he finally came to his senses and he returned home. Some of you are living the high life, thinking I have everything taken care of, but you have treated the Lord with contempt. You have wearied the Lord with your prayers and with your tears because you have clothed yourself with stealing with pride, with anger and you have grieved the heart of God but remember the story of the prodigal A return to the Lord in righteousness, in repentance. The Father took back that son, and he'll take you back. Now, chapter three, we're moving quickly because we're running out of time. This is the very heart of the message. Malachi three see I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple, the messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them gold and silver then the Lord will have men who bring offerings in righteousness and the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord as in the days gone by as in former years see I will come near to you for judgment Jesus came to the temple on the day of the Lord And he was not accepted. He was rejected. Because Israel rejected their Messiah, Jesus said Jerusalem would be burned. And that prophecy was fulfilled 70 years later when Titus came and surrounded Jerusalem. More than a million Jewish people perished and for 500 years they were cast out of Jerusalem. Now there is a promise that they would be regathered. And in 1948, Israel was regathered to the land of Israel. But I can tell you they have not repented for their sin. I have walked the streets of Tel Aviv, the new city. It is utterly wicked before a holy God. I've walked the streets of Tiberias. I've walked the streets of Jerusalem. It is a wicked nation before a holy God, and their offerings are not acceptable before God. They are in the day of the Lord. Who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire He is coming again to Israel, and I pray for the peace of Jerusalem. I love Israel. I've never felt so at home anywhere in my life as I did when I stepped foot in Israel. I wanted to get down and kiss the land. It was my home. He says, see, I will come near you for judgment. I will be quick to testify against sorcerers, adulterers, perjurers, Against those who defraud laborers of their wages, who oppress the widows and the fatherless, and deprive aliens of justice, but do not fear me. But do not fear me. These men and women walk in utter wickedness and have no fear of God. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, O descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse. The whole nation of you, because you are robbing me, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. It does not say bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so they can build great buildings and impress themselves with their beautiful facilities. No, it's to bring food into the house of God. The Lord Jesus is our food. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much of a blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and vines in your fields will not cast their fruits, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. A change can come to your life. The Lord says, you've said harsh things about me. What have we said against you, God? You've said it's fruitless, it's futile to serve the Lord. What did we gain by carrying out his requirements and going through like mourners before the Almighty? But now we call the arrogant blessed. What did we get for paying tithes? What did we get for giving offerings? Come on, God, what have we done? I don't see any difference. You know what giving tithe and offerings does? It sets you on a path with the Lord God Almighty where you say you are are everything to me, Jesus. And it opens a gateway for God to enter your life and bless you. God doesn't need your money. The Lord is going to provide for Pilgrim's Progress. I don't need your money. This is not about you giving to Pilgrim's Progress or to your church. It's about you getting right with Jesus. It's about you stopping giving diseased, crippled animals to the Lord God of heaven. It's about you coming into a place where you recognize this is the day of the Lord. And there is a curse on your life because you are treating him with contempt. A scroll of remembrance. I want you to get this. A scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. They will be mine, says the Lord Almighty. In the day when I make up my treasured possession, I will spare them just as in my compassion a man spares his son who serves him And you will see again the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. And I want you to hear the dividing line. is those who do not give diseased animals to the Lord. You see, my money represents my life. I cannot survive without food and shelter. I cannot survive without clothes on my body. I cannot do the work I'm called to without a car to drive. My life shuts down when the money is all gone. So money is really the key issue of my life. And some of you say, okay, business is business, church is church. Wrong. We are under God, the Almighty And when we give him that first fruit, when we give offerings hilariously, when we say, Lord, all that I have is yours, and I will mark that by giving you the very best of what I have, everything changes and we enter the blessing of God and we leave the curse of God. Not because of the money, but because of what our heart is saying in our actions. In our actions. The Lord said, Surely the day is coming, it will burn like a furnace all the arrogant and every evil doer will be stubble and that day is coming and it will set them on fire says the lord almighty not a root or branch will be left to them but for you who revere my name the son of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings and you will go out and leap like calves released from the stall then you will trample down the wicked. They will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I do these things, says the Lord Almighty. Verse 5. This is Malachi 4 5. See, I prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day. John the Baptist came as that Elijah. That's what Jesus said. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers. In other words, he will turn your heart to your Father, to God Almighty. And he will turn the heart of God to you. Or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. If you don't turn your heart to God, if you do not use your money for the work of the gospel, the very first fruit of all that you have, God will strike your land. I'll never forget a couple many, many years ago came to me and said, Pastor, we have many investments. But this year, our number one investment brought us $50,000. And the wife said, and pastor, my very best investment brought me $50,000. We would like to give $100,000 to the prayer chapel. What a wonder and what glory before the throne of God. And I can tell you the Lord has open the windows of heaven for this couple and bless them. I don't know what God has told you to give to your church or to a charity or for the poor or for Pilgrim's Progress. But I do ask, have you been obedient? Have you done what he told you to do out of your first fruit, not out of your last If you gave it out of your last, there is a curse on your life. And you are treating God with contempt. Now, I don't mean to offend you today. This is as straight as I can say it. But with as much love as Jesus has for you. Lord Jesus, I pray right now for every person listening to this broadcast. I know we've not been able to go to FM because many who have listened have not obeyed. I know that you have spoken and called many to give regularly and they have not obeyed. They come here and they listen. They've gained much by the teaching. They've been refreshed and encouraged, but they treat Pilgrim's Progress with contempt and offer diseased animals. I know they go to their churches and they give their pledge, but it's not their first fruit. They treat their church with contempt. Lord, I'm praying today that many will repent, even as I'm praying now. I testify, Lord, that you are gracious and long-suffering and slow to anger. I testify that you are merciful and kind. I testify that you are the glorious God of heaven and earth. And I love you. and I love my brothers and sisters and so I've spoken directly to them today. Give them the courage to hear and to act. In the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. Well you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress you can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel make the check out to National Prayer Chapel Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Again, it's the National Prayer Chapel. Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Now, you can also go live on the Internet, nationalprayerchapel.com, and you can give online. Thank you for those of you who've been so faithful. I pray the blessing of God upon you. This is Pastor Ray. I pray this has been helpful to you today. I love you. May God look with love and compassion upon you as you make these very tough decisions. love you. I'll talk to you soon. Tomorrow, a day of prayer. Join me.
0: Now unto Him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of